welcome to The Mental Checkout, where we believe we are all leaders and we're all trying to live our best lives. Where we provide store therapy and mindful retail, bringing you other perspectives to help you through not only your workday, but our everyday life. If you find this podcast helpful, please do me a favor, follow, leave a review, and share with your friends and family, because remember, we are all CEOs. Let's get started. Welcome to this episode of The Mental Checkout, and I told you I would bring you my mentors and people that have helped me through my own journey. And today we have with us Travis Hovde. He's the head pastor of Eagle Wind Community Fellowship right here in Minot, North Dakota. Welcome, Travis. Can you tell our listeners a little about your own journey, how you started Eagle Wing? And then I just really want to have coffee. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Travis Hovde. I'm actually from North Dakota and grew up in this area. Um, part of what kind of brought me into the ministry, which ultimately led me to, to plant a church when I was growing up, I had no aspirations whatsoever to be a pastor, be in the ministry. Um, my life kind of changed drastically when I was about age 13, and I was um, diagnosed with a heart condition, ended up having uh uh, ended up being in a hospital at age 13 in Fargo, North Dakota. Up until then, my uh, life had been pretty much normal, and um, childhood had been pretty much normal. I grew up in, you know, with Christian parents, but the faith part of that had never really clicked. And I ended up uh, finding out that I had a heart condition that I had been born with that should have been diagnosed, but hadn't been for whatever reason. So I was 13 years old, the aorta, which is the main artery that comes out of your heart. Mine was 98 point something percent blocked. Um, I had a surgeon tell me later that I probably wouldn't have lived to be the age of 18 had it not been detected. Anyway, I was there in a pediatric hospital in Fargo, North Dakota, finding out I had to have open heart surgery the next day. And um, they would remove part of my aorta, replace a section of it, and patch it on Gore-Tex. Uh, there was a chance because of the way the operation was going to be. They would start in the middle of my chest, make an incision all the way around to the back of my shoulder blade um, that um, that I could be paralyzed. And so I I went from age 13 to kind of a normal life of a kid to all of a sudden I'm thinking, uh, there's a 10% chance I'm going to die tomorrow, and there's a greater chance that I'm going to have some kind of a, a health situation that's going to affect the rest of my life. And it was that night that faith really became real to me, where it was like, what do I believe about God? What do I believe? What happened? If I die the next day, you know, what what does it all end in darkness? Is Did I just get dealt a bad hand in life, and, and I, I got the short end of the stick, and it's all over? And so it was in that moment that I that I really, um, you know, I prayed and I called out to God and I determined that I did believe in God and that um, I, that I knew I needed his forgiveness and that I asked God to, to, to give me another day on this earth. And uh, he answered the prayer. I had 57 staples from the middle of my chest to the back of my uh, shoulder blade. I remember waking up in, in, a, in an open pediatric intensive care unit hearing, uh, in, I was kind of the older one. There were a lot of babies and that kind of thing. And in that particular situation, it was all open and I'm hearing the cries and the screams of other you know, children. And yet I, I, I could move my feet. The surgeon told me, you know, after you wake up. And so kind of in that morphine induced coma, I'm like, okay, I can move my feet. I'm alive. I can walk. Um, 
and that began a healing journey. I spent I spent weeks in my living room laying on a mattress and just trying to heal. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't um, because you know they're worried about the the incision and, and what had happened in the surgery. But um, you know to, to and thank God you know I fully recovered. From that point on, um, I, I had a a real relationship with God, and that that really changed my whole life, my outlook on life. And from that point on, I also always looked at life was a gift from God. And I try to this day to never take that for granted, that that this is a gift, that every day, that as we even begin a new year now, that that every day is, is new. So anyway, I, I like many people, I still wrestle with faith and with church and maybe in, in yeah. upcoming episodes, we can deal with even some of those objections that might, people might have to, to church and faith and questions because I have, I have been there and, and walked that road and, and, and finally ended up from age 18 to 20, not going to church at all and yet still reading the Bible and searching and, you know, being on a spiritual journey. And then, uh, and at age 20, I, um, uh, recommitted my life to Christ, and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, came to faith in Christ as well. And um, we spent a couple years in, in in church. And all I wanted to do was just uh, just go to church. I mean, I, I just I, I'd found a community, I'd found church, and then it was after that that um, you know, just through circumstances and people and events and other things, it just became clear that that God had a calling on my life to uh, to minister and to preach and to teach. Before I ever preached a sermon, I mean, my the thing that I was the most afraid of was speaking in public. It terrified. I hated book reports growing up <laughs> in school. I mean, I would be, I'd be sick for days <laughs> before because th- that kind of thing. So for God to call me into something where I'd be publicly speaking and communicating was like, you know totally something new for me. It was something that I was not naturally gifted to at all. Um, you are so gifted. <laughs> I grew up around religion. I had a lot of aunts, aunts and uncles, and they would always plant seeds in me. However, I think I always believed in God, but I don't know if I ever had a relationship with God. And it seems like a lot of people, even Christians, don't know there's a difference. Because of the seeds that have been planted in me throughout my lifetime, I know when I struggle or feel like I'm falling short, you are the first person that pops in my head. Well, and, and I appreciate that. And, and, and that is part of what I think my heart is and my calling is to make, um, uh, you know, truth, uh, biblical understanding in, in about God and uh, help that connect with people. Yeah, and makes that real, and and I would agree with you that there's there's a difference between being religious and having a relationship with God, and I think that's such an important distinction, and and to to really have that, like when when I was growing up in 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 religion, I mean, we still went to church and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, but it wasn't meaningful and personal yeah. to me until, you know, and for me it was. Um, you know, a, a a health crisis. It was you know having open heart surgery and doing all that. For some people, it's a it's a financial um, low. It's a, it's a bankruptcy. It's um it, it's some kind of a crisis in your life and your relationships. But not always. But it's sometimes in our lowest points is when we realize our need for God. Yeah, and that connection that that relationship is 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 founded in those times. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I have um so it. I have a couple perceptions yeah. on things that I've been struggling with lately, and I, I would really like to get your take on a few of them. One thing that I want to thank you for is I've been interviewing for this podcast, and 
every single person has wanted me to send them the questions that I'm going to ask, which I don't mind doing sure. that. Yeah. And you're the only one that didn't ask me to do that. And the only reason I have a problem with sending the questions yeah. is in my lifetime, Yeah. every time I've ever got knocked over, I've never got to prepare. Right. right. Life doesn't prepare us. Yeah. And I really want my podcast and this platform to be raw and helpful. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I've been struggling with as I've been uh, out visiting with people and interviewing is failures. And it seems we're very comfortable sharing all of our success stories. We post all our perfect pictures on our perfect day. But we have a hard time sharing the hurdles we had to get that perfect picture or that perfect day. <laughs> the one thing I hear often is this next generation is so lazy and not driven. But we're displaying and sharing that we went to bed one day and we woke up successful. And this next generation's looking at their grandparents and I want that. And they want it because... They didn't see the work and the sacrifice that went into getting it. And one thing I've learned getting ready for this journey is every generation finds fault in the next generation. I'm wondering, have you experienced failure along your own journey? How much time do we have? Um, I have had so many failures in life, and and you know, and and I do believe that um, you know, character is built through our experience, through our life experience, and and and, and character is built that way. I, I do think of, of Romans five, you know, is the scripture that talks about you know that um, you know that that suffering produces character, character endurance, and 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 ultimately real hope. That comes out of that, which is a, which is an interesting concept. You know, when it comes to the generations, you know, I, I think it's it, labels never fully work, right? Well, I mean, whatever generation that we all are, whatever generation our listeners are right now, I mean, there's going to be stereotypes about that. Some of those will hold true, and some of those won't. There are trends that are that are real, and, and and you know, one thing about you know a younger generation right now, like a like a Gen Z, and um, you know, maybe younger millennials too, you know, we look at them and, and, and we, we might, you know, question their, their work ethic or are they successful or, or that kind of thing. But, how, how can they not be? Yeah. Like we're portraying that we woke up one day and we're successful. Exactly. It, it, yeah, exactly. And, and, and part of it too, I think with, with the, the generations is that they, um, they're successful in different ways. Right. Right. Cause, because they, they, they might not be, you know, have that that great determination that maybe we would like to see, you know, in, in young leaders, and yet they'll knock it out of the park in in social media and digital and stuff. And right, and we'll, yeah. with podcasts, right, we will go to people oftentimes from that generation because their skill set is different because they've grown up in a different environment. But to go back to the to the issue of failure, I think that that principle works no matter what. We do learn. Through failure, that that is one of the, the, the tendencies I learned the most. Absolutely, and one of the tendencies, and you know, even having college age children right now, is that a a a, a fear 
of failure. Yeah. They're saying, I don't want to do anything I'm going to fail at. I, that is what I would say. That is not a good recipe for success. Sometimes, I mean, obviously you don't want to, you know, just do things you know you're going to fail at, but you have to take those risks. Right. And sometimes the reward is not that that is going to succeed, but you're going to learn through those failures before you know, many times before you have a successful business, there's two, three, four failures or ones that didn't go the way you thought they were going to go to go with it. But but those still contributed to your success later on because they built you as a leader. They built your character, all of those things. And Why so, do you think as leaders we are, um, so my perception. Yes. Yeah. Do you think it's pride that we don't want to tell them, although I do have this, all this bad stuff are all not even it doesn't even have to be bad, but it's like we're sugarcoating stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I see where you're going, you know, with perception. And I think that it is it is easier maybe in a digital age to say, hey, here's my profile on social media. Here's my LinkedIn. Here's how I look. Here, here's, you know, a picture of me on my best day and my best looking day with all my credentials and that kind of thing. And that is the majority of how people view us. Even, you know, talking about, you know, um, church, you know, and, and going up there and, and preaching a sermon on Sunday morning, right? I mean, if if that's all that people were to know about me, you know, you wouldn't see the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, all the others, you know, you're kind of looking at the best case scenario, right? Of, 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 of a crafted message of, you know, dressed to the, to the best. And, and that usually Monday through Saturday are not exactly like Sunday. And that's not because, you know, we're not being real, but that's just because you're in that environment. And I think what, what a lot of people see, a lot of young people see, they'll see success, they'll see people like you and you see successful and be like, wow, I mean, I would like to be, a, you know, an incredible businesswoman like Shannon. I would like to, you know, have, have a nice house and I would like to have all those things, but they don't immediately see the journey that got you there right. and all the struggles. What, the what do you think we could uh, give to our listeners of the younger generation a little piece of advice about making sure like right away I want to say like keep your options open like yeah. look bigger picture things are what they seem to be yeah I, I think there is some truth in that we made it too easy for that generation and we have to take responsibility for that and it was for a good reason a good intent because mm -hmm. a lot of what happened is a lot of people struggled in life and said i want better for my kids yes that in itself is not a bad thing right and so we say okay gosh you know we went through all these hard things and we don't want them to go through that and we don't want them to go that heartache and our success <laughs> strangely can become a detriment to the next generation because we don't want them to struggle and they have to that they have to to get to where where you know where a successful person is at, then they don't see the struggle. So how do we fix that? I mean, I think part of it is you you share you share real stories in yeah. environments like this and in teaching and 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 communication other ways. You share your struggle, um, and that's sometimes you know the the places where people can connect. Mm. Um, you know, just from a spiritual perspective, you know, one of the things about about the Lord, about Jesus, is that you know he he became a man. It says that he was acquainted with suffering. Part of what we were talking earlier about a relationship with God is that you know with with Jesus, with Christ, that he became a man and lived on this earth. That's where we can connect. 
right? Because okay. it's hard to connect with a, a perfect God somewhere in heaven somewhere. Right. But when we see a God who comes to this world in all of the pain and struggle and, and hurt and nonsense and abuse, we can we can connect with that. It's like he yeah. came to earth to give us another perception. Exactly. Oh, I just had an aha yeah. moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, okay. and I think in small ways, it's our struggles that oftentimes other people can find those connect points. Well, and that yeah. that is really my... my perception now I I don't believe they're lazy and I don't believe that right, right I believe that we are making them you know another word that got thrown around a lot on my interviews was entitled yeah no they don't feel entitled the problem is they don't know what anyone else had to do to get there so they believe like yeah. they truly believe they can just wake up one day and get it yeah yeah and it, it's just not real. And the other question that I had for you was, do you believe in self-help? Yeah. And the reason uh, I wanted, to, the reason that I wanted to ask you about this, and I'll tell you two stories that made me, I, I now have a perception there is no self-help. Yeah. But here's what made me start questioning it. Last summer, I was out on my deck and I was having coffee with my girlfriend and she does yoga with me. Okay. She loves podcasts. Sure. She loves mental health stuff. Well, this day on the um, porch, she hadn't been coming over for yoga or working out. And I had questioned this. And she literally told me she was done doing anything because she's getting so overwhelmed yeah. on um everybody's opinions on the internet like do this diet don't do this diet yeah um read this book don't read this book get up and give yourself a high five <laughs> right i believe it doesn't um it's not a one size fits all so that really bothered me but i kind of just ate on it yeah but then the next thing that happened to me is i love self-development so my girl another girlfriend of mine we took a three-day uh tony robbins event i'm not sure if you are familiar with him but yeah he's a, like a self-motivator yeah, yeah. and i'm infatuated with that okay. stuff so he had all these speakers on this is a true story we're, we're watching these speakers in every single one of them mm -hmm. literally i could turn to my girlfriend and say we did not have to pay for this it's in the bible yeah we yeah. did not have to spend, and it was expensive. Yeah. And I was like, Lori, we could have read the Bible. This is in there. Sure. It literally covers yeah. gossiping, how to do your finances, how to raise your kids, how to treat your parents and your neighbor. Like, so then I got to thinking, I don't know if self-help is a real thing. Right. Because now when I look back on my life, I'm like, every problem, everything... It, I don't think I did anything. I think God really stepped in and pulled me along. And I, I would just kind of like your take on yeah. self-help. I do believe in self-development right. and self-motivation. Yeah. Like all the, I do believe it. you have to take action. But I'm questioning the self. Like, could I ever read enough books to tell me yeah. the right diet? Or would it get me so confused? like my girlfriend, that I would not do anything anymore. So I'd like your input on how you view self-help yeah. and a little bit about 
if somebody wanted to start reading the Bible, if you could touch like where you even began, because I have an uncle and he was my biggest seed planter, I call him, like pumped it into me and he passed away. But he always told me, Shannon, you can listen about the Bible, you can, but you read it yourself. Yeah. Don't take no one's word. You yeah. read it. Yeah. So where do you start? Yeah. Wow. Great question. And I think it's really relevant this time of year, right? Yeah. Everybody's making a resolution, getting on a new plan, joining a gym, reading a, a book and that kind of thing. I, I would I would say this about self-help. Um, I'd probably prefer the term personal development. Okay. And, and, and the reason why is because from a larger perspective, I, I do believe, um, of course, coming from a uh, a worldview that sees God as the ultimate source of everything that I can't and 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 I I would I know there are people who you know may not agree with this but um, I would say that um, within ourselves ultimately is not the help that we need that it is something from you know outside and, and I believe that is God and so but I do believe that one of the great themes in in scripture is is a theme of stewardship and and stewardship is you know in in the christian world and biblical world we use that a lot in the business sector there's there's a term that if you're not familiar with steward and steward you know kind of think of like even you know in, in old english and that kind of thing you'd have the steward of the uh, of the castle or you know th that kind of thing and, and this would go all the way back you know biblical times but it, what it meant is somebody that is in charge of something a more contemporary term would be manager a somebody who manages something and 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 as individuals, all of us have been given a, a certain level of authority, uh, especially when it comes to our own bodies, our own minds, our own life, our own possessions, that we have the responsibility of stewarding or managing those things. And I believe in personal development because we are managing ourselves. And so that we can grow um, in, I would say, in every way, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically, all of those ways and look at it holistically. Um, to answer your question more specifically about, you know, what some would call self-help, uh, I, I typically, even this time of year, um, I'm reading a book right now called The Miracle Morning, which is talking about, you know, getting up early, having a routine. Um, one that many people are familiar with uh, is Atomic Habits. I think James Clear is, you know, five very incredible. I've second rule, you know, environment. I, I love the, uh, heard the phrase the other day, you know, sometimes if you can't change your habit, change your habitat, you know, and, and create environments in your work and in your life and that kind of thing. And I think all those are helpful. So I would believe in self-help with a few caveats that would say, ultimately, I would believe all truth is God's truth. And I think going back to what you were talking about kind of in your self-help journey is to say, um, you know, you're looking at this and you're thinking, wait a minute, these are true things and they're helpful in my life. If I am a, a good steward, if I am faithful little, if I don't gossip, you know, I mean, right. sometimes people think about, you know, the, the the Ten Commandments of the Bible, like it's this big burden. Well, you know, don't kill people. That's kind of good. Stop <laughs> lying, right? You know, <laughs> if you look at these things, it's like, these are good ways to live, right? I mean, these are going to help you. Right. And so, um, so, so I'm going to say, I believe in personal development. I'm going to filter that through a through a for me a biblical Christian worldview is to say I know that I need God 
God's help in this, but he's given me a, 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 a level of stewardship. So our listeners, they have everybody, um, as we begin the new year, everybody has, everybody's equal when it comes to time, right? Rich or poor, no matter right. what your level of success, age, anything, we all have the same amount of time in a day. We have 24 hours in a day and we get to choose how we steward or how we manage that. And so understanding, yeah, so understanding how we manage it, uh, and being a better manager of that time is a great way to personally develop yourself. And so if you'll do that, and so I, I, I sometimes will read a self-help book and, and yeah. feel like you should, and I'll be like, they ripped all this off in the Bible, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and you asked, you know, how, what, what is a great way to start learning? You know, one thing, and, 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 I, and I do this, um, and this would be somebody, I would say, especially for people interested in development, leaders, business managers, um, business owners, you know, all of those kind of things. Uh, but, but really anybody. And I agree, mm-hmm. you know, with um, your understanding of, you know, if, if you're a mother, uh, you're a leader. If you're a father, you're a leader, it, you know, whatever it is. But all of us are at least leading yourself. Yeah. So I would say one thing I do, and this is a, this is a little life hack, is I... I I try to do things, you know, that that hold me accountable personally. So I, when I make my coffee in the morning, I start brewing the coffee and I get that ready. And I open the Bible, and I open to the proverb, uh, a proverb. Now, proverb is practical wisdom of God, and it is very easy to apply that to your life. Well, it's your first, right? It is yeah. the first one I read. Yeah. I mean, think of Proverbs. Like, I think the whole thing's highlighted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about like, uh, you know, it, things you see the Proverbs, like life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you shall eat the fruit thereof. Meaning that you, you know, what you say does matter. You know, yes. and it, it, you, you get to determine that. So, but anyway, and I look at it like, okay, so before I sip that coffee, I'm going to read one chapter. It doesn't have to be one chapter, it could be one verse. But it's some way to take practical, timeless truth. I mean, uh, the the Proverbs are thousands of years old. They have stood the test of time. It's that wisdom. And I think that's what, you know, going back to the illustration of your friend saying, gosh, I'm hearing all these things and all these fads and that kind of thing. I like to peel away from all the fads and to say, what is what is truth that has been proven, that has lasted? And you find that. Yeah, Bible. Yeah, um, and I think what the what the the self help with personal development does it it does have a purpose, and that's to help us. How do I apply that truth into my daily life? And like I was talking about the the miracle morning. I don't know if you're yeah. like that, but it's getting up and and just having a routine. Yep. And so this is what you do every day, and you you start your day right. So that's a way to take some the the timeless wisdom of the Bible, but now bring it into your everyday life by prioritizing in the morning. If I just thought of this, this isn't written down, but if um, somebody was listening, mm-hmm. and so my suggestion is, you guys, you don't need to be at every seminar. You don't need to read every book. Grab a Bible and just start reading. I and I just thought of this. If somebody, I don't know if this is even a thing, but if somebody listening sure. did not own a Bible, are there places you can get free Bibles? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, now in the in the digital world, I mean, BibleGateway.com, yeah. you can go and um, 
you know, there's there's a ministry called Gideon's. There's it, but I mean, right now, the the quickest, probably easiest way, go to BibleGateway.com in different translations. I would say if there's somebody that's saying, you know, there's all these different translations. I mean, I I know we've made this way too confusing. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're saying ESV and I yeah, mean all this kind of stuff. I would say an NIV, it's a new international version or an English Standard Version, ESV. Those are two great um, translations of the Bible that are very easy to read. So thank you yeah. for throwing that out there. I just really showed my age. Yeah. I didn't even think of the internet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Where could they get a free Bible? <laughs> no, and, and and I would say though, there's still advantage in having it tangible. Yes, see, it, that's the only way I can and, read. And, and it depends on your learning style, um, uh, but having something tangible, tactile that you can feel, touch, open, and, and and so it's whatever you prefer. But if you just want free resources, yeah, we're living. I mean, we really are living in a day like no other. Like, I mean that. I mean the the. Having the Bible in English is only about 500 years old. Uh, you know, this idea of even every Christian or every person having their own Bible. And now you can pick up your phone. Yeah. 100 translations yeah. free of charge right there at your fingertips. I mean, it's So crazy. I do encourage my listeners, if you are overwhelmed and you do have too much information coming on, just grab a Bible and yeah. get quiet. Yeah. It It doesn't... You know, you don't have to be religious to do it. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be. It's what I'm telling you is all this self-help that I've studied, and I've studied it for 15 years. Mm-hmm. It literally is in there. So that that's one thing. My, my next uh, piece, and this leads into it perfectly for us, okay. is I wanted to talk a little bit about accountability because... You know, in today's day and age, it's so easy to hold other people accountable. And I am a firm believer on stop that. Yeah. Hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Stay focused. Just you. Like, there's nothing we can do about right. the next person's behaviors, right. thoughts. All we can do is ourselves. Yeah. So can you tell me one of the best practices that you use to hold your team accountable? You know, be, I see this. I just really feel like the world's losing accountability. We have people getting sued, suing fast food chains because they got fat. Yeah. What happened to self-accountability? If you think yeah. social media is overtaking your life and you're getting overwhelmed, Stop listening to it. Sure. If you sure. feel like sure. you're getting fat because you ate at a fast food place, quit going there. Yeah. Where is this? Where did we drop the ball on? It is not me. Yeah. It's everybody else's fault. Like, I just feel like everybody is holding a blame thrower up and it is everybody else's problem. And yeah. could you talk to me about like how you because I get hammered with that app. Well, work a lot like they'll do something somehow it always ends up to be the company's fault or my fault or their leader's fault or sure what do you do with the people because you not only lead your con your people that help you around the church but you are physically leading full families how do you deal with accountability well that, yeah that is a great question and, and i think that you know, first of all, just setting up accountability. I, I think this this is kind of the the the, the dilemma I think of, of the world today, right? First of all, we don't want anyone to tell us what to do, right? But then we don't get the benefits of accountability and discipline. 
life. So much so that we're saying, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do, but then I'm going to pay somebody so that I can go step on a scale and, and weigh myself. And for the, you're, what are you doing? You're, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but the, your, your accountability, right? We hire a personal trainer. Why? Because we, we lack the self-accountability. And so we bring in someone else. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. And that can be a great development tool. But this idea of, it's like, I, I want to eat anything I want, but then that's not working. So I, I spend $30 on a book for somebody telling me what I can and can't eat, right? So it, that's accountability. That's accountability coming into our lives because we we are in our, we're this dilemma in our lives where we're saying, I need accountability in my life because it, I'm not producing the results that I want. But I, but on the other hand, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. <laughs> and and so th- this this understanding of personal responsibility, personal accountability. You know, there's books in the Bible like like Leviticus. You know, where in Deuteronomy where it talks about the laws of God. And sometimes people, you know, they're reading the Bible they're like, okay, what are all these laws? But somewhere in there is this idea that every person is responsible for their actions. And and some people today, many people today look at that as a bad thing. And here's why that's not a bad thing. Because on the uh, on one hand, it, it, it is easy. I love I love the term. I just got picked up a term from you, the, the blame thrower. Not the flamethrower, but the blame thrower, right? We're gonna use the blame thrower and we're gonna blame it on everybody else. And that may take a little bit of pressure off us in the moment, but the problem is that's not empowering because then your future then always is in the hands of somebody else. And if you can take personal responsibility for your life, now you're empowered to say, it wasn't my parents' fault. It's not my boss's fault. It's it's my fault. I'll take accountability for that. But now I'm empowered to make the decisions to create a better future mm-hmm. for myself. So it, it's it's actually a wonderful thing. And so I, you know, I just believe in accountability. We practice accountability. You know, for me, I'm pastor, so I have a board. You know, I have to meet with them once a month. There's financial accountability. There's time accountability. There's all of those things. Obviously, you know, we're in a podcast right now. My wife is sitting right, right next to me at this point. We, we are very connected. We have a role where, I mean, we don't have... We have access to each other's phones and accounts and that kind of thing, and we're 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 very much believe in this accountable because all of us are capable of doing things wrong. And I I believe like I struggle, so I have a team of fifty, and I just to keep everybody moving, and um, you know, I I really believe. One of my mentors taught me a long time ago. He always said, Shannon. Don't hang out with someone that always tells you what, always agrees with you, always tells you what you want to hear. And I find that my staff or even any, actually anyone that I've visited with, when you say something that is a coaching or accountability piece, people really get offended. Yeah. They don't want that accountability and for a long time I was like that sure. until I met that mentor yeah and now I know when someone shows you or gives you accountability yeah they love you more than anyone else absolutely more than any other friend that watched me go do all this bad thing and I had a one friend that said what are you doing yeah that's the friend although it caused me a lot of like shame and guilt or whatever it caused me what I learned through my studies and just getting old is those are the friends. Those are the ones. It's not the ones going, oh, you did that? Oh, like, you no, know, the ones holding you, coaching you, yes. making you accountable. 
those are the people that really matter. Yeah. You know, Hebrews 12 in the Bible, there's a verse that says, you know, God disciplines those that he loves. And uh, this idea of love as never correcting, never um, opposing, or, or never calling into question someone's behavior, that unfortunately is a definition of love in our world today, oftentimes. And yet you just said, I mean, I think you said it perfectly, that you look back and think, hey, when I look back in my life, the people that developed me were the ones that told me things I didn't want to hear sometimes. Yeah. And they also loved you. And also you knew they cared about you. So it wasn't just, you know, so, so I think we've got, you know, um, you know, to find the balance there. You know, there, there's there's abusive people that do nothing but correct and correct and it's right. loving and it's not, that's that's wrong. But then on the other hand, there's just lawlessness on the other side where nobody, you know, and the, you know everybody just does what's right in their own eyes. And that's not that's not the idea uh, or the ideal life that, that we would want. We need accountability. None of us are above that. Yes. And so when you look at it as as what you just said, loving, and you look at it as this is helping. And, and I think so those that are in leadership, when you bring accountability to others, it's not being a mean boss. It's not being a bad leader. It's not. It's, it's you're actually developing meaningful and then going back to earlier we we're talking about the generation i think this is a generation that really does I, I love generation z i love you know the upcoming generation i love all those things but i think one of the areas where they lack is in development because people have it they haven't had those mentors right. they haven't had people get in and say hey you can do that better yeah. or you need to do something different in your life that that's one of the things that i try to for some reason, like even my managers, when they had to coach their team, yeah. they always want to sugarcoat it. Yeah. And by the time they're done, even I don't even know what the problem right. was. Like, right. what is the problem? So my leadership style is I'm very black and white. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you the truth, even if it's stained. Right. Right. So to me, and I do it out of love. Yeah. You know, yeah. but yeah. you nowadays... I've lost a lot of staff because they'll walk out. Yeah. They don't want to get stung. Yeah. You know, and and I think as leaders, sometimes we shy away from putting that sting in there out of fear of them leaving, out of fear of being short. And, you know, I always think of it like this is when you're holding someone accountable, they really already know. Yeah. <laughs> like your heart, your soul, you know. Yes. You know. Yes. Very seldom are you bringing in new information. Right. You're just bringing something to the surface that usually, I think that's a great point, is that a lot of times the person that you're bringing accountability already knows it's there. The other thing on teams is that usually the rest of the team knows. You know, there's an issue and it's not been dealt with. And so ultimately, you know, dealing with those things is hard. Yeah. Um, But it does produce something good. And, and, And I think just Going back to that, it's loving. You know, it, it is a loving thing to care for somebody, to bring accountability in their life, to help them. You're helping them grow and get to the next level. It is unfortunate that people leave, you know, when accountability comes and you can't always control that. And, and, and it's hard because, you know, we live in a broken world and some people have, you know, had bad or even uh, you know abusive experience in their life. And so they associate any kind of accountability or discipline in their life with, you know, with something really bad. And and that's that's sad and that's unfortunate. But even I don't bad yeah. for like the businesses too because and I just kind of see a little correlation you know for me in the reason I bring this up my my head team they're always telling me oh Shannon you're an HR nightmare yeah and 
really today's society makes it so you almost feel like you have to sugarcoat things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think the sugarcoating helps, but I think there's there's a balance, you know, where you can, you know, you can pair a positive, you know, with a negative and say, hey, it's not all bad. And that, that's sometimes when you bring accountability, that's the danger, right? The person comes away and you bring out one thing in their, in their, in the way they're doing their job. And then they walk away thinking, I'm a total failure. And I'm, and they're not, they're just saying like, you're not a failure. You're, you're actually, you're succeeding a lot of things, but this has to be dealt with. And so, I mean, I think it's okay to affirm those things, but I'm with you. You know, you can't sugarcoat yeah. these things so much where like, you don't even know. Yeah. It's like mixed. I am going to literally come out of that meeting, listening yeah. to the manager doing a coaching session. And I'm like, I do not even know what the girl did. I like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Because yeah. we get to the point where we're just so scared. And one of the things as a leader I stay focused on is, I am not going to sugarcoat it to the point where you don't grow. Yeah. I, I'm just not going to. I am not the person to work for if that's what you need. Because you will leave my facility better than you can. Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of always been my thought. But with the world, like, taking us in all these different ways and we're facing so much stuff in the world... How do you encourage our listeners today to just know it's going to be okay with all this HR, all this short staff, all these perceptions of bad generation coming up? Like, what would you say to our listeners? Like, it is going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And, and again, I'm going to go go back to my worldview. And, and I would still believe, you know, we would say that God is sovereign or that he's in control. And, and so what that means is that ultimately, even when the world seems chaotic, even when it seems like we're in these epic shifts of of culture, and, and we really are. And even when we talk about different generations, I mean, we, we can't discount the fact here that we are living in an epic uh especially in the technology world, we're living in an epic shift um, in a time in history. I mean, when I was growing up in school, we were just, the internet was just becoming a thing. You know, we were hearing about this thing, you know, I was like, you know, the, the, the cell phones, emails, everything, you know, it was just, you know, when we were in high school and, and those are coming out and, 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 and technology and everything has changed so much that we're all trying to, you know, grasp with this new reality, both good and bad. You know, we, we have podcasts like this. People are going to, you know, listen to on their phones and people are, are going to be able, we have information like we've never had. And we have all of these, these things. And so these are not all bad, but we're all trying to navigate together through this. But we, but people are resilient, you know, and, and, and people are creative and, and, and and we and we have to focus on those good things that that we we you know humanity has gone through all of these epic shifts and we'll we'll continue to and do. There's that. really nothing new happening, right? If you look back, yeah. Well, and if you go back to what we were talking about earlier, like the truth, the the truth of 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 um, the proverbs and the wisdom, it still applies. It applies as much in the digital age as it did, you know, in in, in ancient times. And so that tells you that there's something that that we can hang on to. Um, but I, I think we do need to to work together. People are so divided right now. I mean, in every way, politically, you know, generationally, this generational, you know, the boomers and millennials and the, and the busters and the Gen Z and all this kind of stuff. And we put all these labels on people. And and 
And again, the, there can be some merit in that of, of understanding people and people groups and, and how they think and how they act. But at the end of the day, we share this common humanity. And there's so much that, um, you know, that we can work together and have a hopeful future. And that's, you know, if I could say something to the Gen Zs out there and for those of us that lead those groups is to be hopeful, to not be so pessimistic that it's like, you know, they're, they're, it's just all, you know, it, it, it's all gloom and doom. It's not. There, there is a hopeful future ahead of us, and and we can work together. I think for those you know leading teams and that kind of thing, it, it's important to not only know the generations, but to actually know your team and to know their personality, and to know who they are, and to invest. You know, and, and I think that's that investment of yourself and your caring to people. It allows you, it gives you that space then to bring that accountability, and, and and it be received well, and we can you know you can move ahead. Yeah, and I, and I too like some of the things too. Like people will sit all day long and watch Dateline, and they'll sit and yeah. watch and do and be around all this crazy stuff. And I would really challenge people to, you know, if if you're having a conversation or a heated conversation with your husband and you watch Dateline for 24 hours, guess what the first thought's going to be? Yeah. Where's my gun? Yeah. He's out again. Absolutely. You know what? I'm snapping. Yep. But yep. what if we like tried to feed ourselves more positive things and watch different programming and we were mindful of what we yeah. put in our brains? I am literally, I have two stories on this. I have literally been with my friends watching a movie i will get up and leave yeah and i tell yeah. them do not do not pollute my body yeah and then i have another girlfriend and she's a very big spiritual mentor of mine and uh she's actually years ago used to be an al-anon coach mm -hmm. i have literally watched her and it was actually at my house this is a true story there's like eight of us around the table and somehow us girls started gossiping she physically got up and left without saying a word. Yeah. And so I encourage us all, you know, be mindful of what we're putting in our ears and our mouths and our, you know, just be mindful of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and, and this is, this is, it is really important and we have decisions and we have choices. Yeah. You know, this is, this is going to sound funny to some people, but I, I remember as, I mean, we really don't watch a lot of, movies and TV. We, you know, we, we do YouTube and reels and all those kind of things, but not as much like movies and that kind of thing. And, but I remember I was with my daughter years ago and, and she was a teenager and watching Hunger Games and I'm sitting there watching it and, and I get, I don't know, maybe halfway through it and I'm like, I can't watch this. And here's why. I'm like, this is about the genocide of children. Like, I, I, do, I, did, and, yeah. and I, I don't, and I'm not condemning anybody to watch it, but I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, just turn a little bit of my story and, you know, yeah. fighting for life and cherish his gift. And I'm like, I don't want to meditate on on killing children or, you know, for, you know, for sport. And it's like, it's those things you, you, that, and that might seem very silly, you know, in, in today's world to a lot of people to hear me say that, but I'm not going to meditate on that. I, 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 I will not, I mean, I will not allow my mind and, you know, I watch very little news and that kind of thing. And you, you need to know what's going on. You need to, but I mean, this whole yeah, idea we, of we were to yeah. watch the news all day, we yeah. really lose all yeah. Like that's what I think yeah. might be causing it is we do have all this technology and we yeah. do have all, but then again, it goes back to accountability. Shut it off. Yeah. No, no. one's forcing you yeah. to watch the news 
30 days, er, you know, 30 hours and yep. then walk around and be in this doom and gloom and no wonder why. Yeah, I remember talking to a, to an older gentleman and he was from North Dakota and he talked about, you know, media and news and everything. And, and he recalled, you know, growing up and, you know, in a rural setting and like farm setting, he said he remembered like going in at noon, you know, and then they would all watch the, you know, the reports and, and you'd hear the news, you find out what's going on in the world. And that was it. You know, it was, it was like a 30 minute and probably half of it was like grain prices and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And, and then you heard what was going on in the world and then you went back to life. And we don't have, I think, many times that healthy separation to be like, OK, this is news and this is it's just all day long. You know, we're just constantly digesting information. And again, it's not all bad, but it can be. And you can you can you can meditate on all of those things and it's just not it's not good you i love what you said and, and i think it's a theme in our talk today is that the empowerment that each individual has you don't have to listen to it you don't have to listen to gossip you don't have to be in the drama you have a choice you are in control of your life your body your mind and in your emotional health your mental health all that kind of thing you're empowered and so you make choices every day and what you do with it. And you can make these good choices and experience benefit from it. I were talking about this last night in a, in a class, but just how there's so many things you can do that cost you nothing, that if you did them, it would improve the quality of your life. Yeah. Like better time management, like stop doing things, like stop being around negative behavior. These are choices you get to make every day and your life can be better. Every day. I really want to thank you for coming. You guys, if you have not checked out Eagle Wings in mine at North Dakota, you need to go there. It is amazing. They have service at 1030 every Sunday. They even have a Spanish speaking one. Is it still at three? It's at 830 a.m. At 830. I thought I see. Yes. 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 So they have a Spanish speaking session. They have kid ministry. They have a a teaching on Wednesday nights. The address is 101. 16th Street Southwest, Minot, North Dakota. You guys really check it out. It is amazing. I want to thank you so much for being here. I am your biggest cheerleader. And when we leave today, I really want to give us some more food for thought. What are you meditating on? What is consuming you? And is there anything that you can do to make a change? So let's chew on that. Again, Travis, thanks for coming. It was a lot of fun. Oh, this was this was a great time. Thank you. Hey, it's Shannon, and I just want to thank you for your gift of your time. It's the one thing that we cannot get back. I want to remind us all today that we are not broken. We are perfectly made. And if this podcast has helped you at all, please like, follow, and share. And be sure to go check out our website at thementalcheckout.com. And if you're going through a situation and you would like another perspective, email them in to shannon at thementalcheckout.com. 